Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of If Women Were Meant to Fly, the Sky Would Be Pink. Mother's Day. I'm Enid Oton. This episode, I'll be giving you some insight into my new flying assignments. I welcome my mum to San Francisco on her first ever trip to the USA, and I embark on my new journey as a flight instructor and my first officially assigned student. No rest for the wicked, as they say, and my flight instructor's course began in earnest. It was actually a relatively short course, and for the first time, I felt that I was really ready for it. I'd been flying with my friend Chris a lot, and she was giving me the experience flying in the right-hand seat so that I could get used to that side of the aircraft. The one thing with being a flight instructor was that I was now the one who was in charge, and not only that, I was responsible for teaching my student to fly, with all that entailed. It felt rather strange at the time, odd to be on the other side. In my training days, if anything felt too challenging, I only had to look over to the left for support. But now, however, I was in the hot seat. I was the support. I would feel this even more keenly later on in my career, after I'd become a captain. Since the flight instructor's course was full-time, I decided to schedule flights morning and afternoon practicing how to teach students with my instructor, Beth. I think the fact that I'd just been through it helped. It was fresh in my mind. I now had to focus on learning to teach and, of course, making sure my aircraft knowledge was watertight. I also spent a lot of time on the ground teaching ground school meteorology and air law. I got to fly with my fellow students and that gave me additional experience in the right-hand seat, monitoring all their practice flights. So before I knew it, my flight test was scheduled with the FAA examiner. He'd briefed me some weeks previously and asked if I minded on focusing on spins as part of my test. I kind of surprised myself because whilst my initial instinct was to say, uh, sorry, what, you have lost your mind, I thought better of it and decided that I would push my boundaries and accept it as a challenge. I'd flown with this particular FAA flight examiner before and I, I knew him to be an experienced and a very fair man. Well, the day finally arrived, so with the briefing and the walk around complete, we climbed out in the direction of Half Moon Bay in the coast. We'd climbed to 5,000 feet roughly to begin with and start the first in a series of spins and other manoeuvres that form part of the test. So towards the end of what I had hoped had been a successful exam, my examiner asked if I'd ever spun an aircraft with more than 10 degrees of flaps. Well, I hadn't. The flaps are located on the trailing edge of the wing and they provide a means for the aircraft to gain additional lift if they're at a low setting or additional drag when they're set higher. I hadn't, and so he proceeded to show me that it could be done, which was an interesting experience in itself, and I learnt rather a lot. Once back on the ground, with a briefing over, incidentally, he'd been impressed and he thought everything went well, there are a couple of things that always are that I could have done differently. But I was proclaimed a fully qualified flight instructor. 
kind of hard to put into words the feelings that were making me break out in goosebumps. A mixture of elation and pride of the type I'd never really experienced before in my young life. This was coming from within me, in spite of the demons that I carried, the feelings that I sometimes couldn't work through, the doubts, fears, mental and physical scars that had plagued me my whole life. But that night, it was a fun night as I celebrated with my fellow students and friends in downtown San Francisco. So having now reached my goal of completing all the flight courses I'd been enrolled in, I was offered the opportunity to be able to increase my experience by taking on private pilot students. My first student was Samuel. Now, Samuel was 19 years old, and although he lived in the US, his family were British. So apart from being his first flight instructor, we had a mutual connection to the United Kingdom as well. I took him up in the Cessna 152 trainer for his introductory flight. He had always wanted to be a pilot, and finally he was being able to realise his dreams, and that was very exciting for him. I was nervous. Sam was my first student and I wanted to make the right impression on him. I wanted him to trust that I would look after him and get him to where he wanted to be. Of course, I I didn't know that this would go according to plan at the time, but I was determined that if he wanted this as much as he said he did, we were going to do this together. There was something about his eagerness and determination that struck a chord. He reminded me of me. I needn't have worried. Sam and I got on like a house on fire. And in a very short time, we were approaching his first solo flight. I'd been incredibly impressed with this young man's progress and dedication. He was thorough. He was focused. And as his confidence grew as a pilot, mine grew as an instructor. It was a fabulous feeling. On an early Sunday morning, Sam and I met for a lesson. We were practicing touch and goes. His handling and decision making was very good. And as we touched down, I asked him to taxi back to the holding point, but stopped him opposite our flight line. OK, Sam, off you go. Let's see three touch and goes on your own. You've got this. He looked at me quizzically and then smiled. Yes, ma'am. He was always so incredibly polite. I hopped out, shut the door, lingering only to see him go through his checks before he taxied off. I ran up to the control tower where I'd be watching my first student go solo. The on-duty controller smiled and gave me the thumbs up as I watched Sam line up for his first solo takeoff. Wind was calm, Sam's radio calls were perfect, and I didn't detect a hint of nervousness in his voice. And then he was airborne, wings level, nice rate of climb as he crested the Redwood Shores. Had I done enough? Was he as confident as he seemed? Would he cope with an engine failure at any of his pattern points? Would he remember his flaps and his airspeed? Now, this was still going through my mind as the lad placed the aircraft firmly but gracefully back onto the tarmac in exactly the right place before he added power to the engine for his next takeoff. I was so proud. I cried. Not that he will ever know that. When I met him after his successful flights, we were as elated as each other. It was a huge moment for us both. In addition to Sam as my prime student, I took on a lot of introductory flights, license checks and glider towing. So as I began this new phase of teaching, I was excited and pleased that I would be able to welcome my mum to the United States. It would be a first for her and I was determined to make sure that the two weeks she was here 
would be the best holiday ever. I knew that I would be exceptionally proud to be able to stand before her as a fully qualified commercial pilot. She would stay with me, Chris and Chris's mum in San Jose. When I'd been in boarding school in my earlier years, there'd been several occasions where I would travel up to London to meet her for a few days in the city. But often her flight wouldn't land until about six o'clock in the morning. So I'd have to tell a little white lie uh, to be able to get the train up to Gatwick the night before where I would stay all night until her flight arrived, often with a purchased bunch of roses that I had to actually try to keep alive until she exited the customs hall to receive them. She was always very pleased to see me, and I felt that I'd really done a grown-up thing. Now she was in the US, I didn't know quite where to start. I wanted to take her flying with me to Half Moon Bay, into the city to experience all that it had to offer, Fisherman's Wharf, Alcatraz, Lombard Street... There was prime rib at the best steak restaurant, ice lollies and lunch at the wharf. I drive up the coast to experience the wonderful crab chowder that I'd grown to love so much. I was a bit apprehensive about sharing that particular experience with her. A few months before, my friends and I had booked a table at a particular restaurant famous for their chowder. When we arrived in good time for our booking, we were refused entry. The restaurant was far from full and I was confused at first and objected. What do you mean you don't have room? There's plenty of tables. The waitress looked straight at me and said slowly and deliberately, no, what I'm saying is we don't have room for you. She dismissively gestured to me and all my friends who mm, all happened to be black. As is often the case, similar to the times that I was pulled over by the police for driving while black, I was too dumbfounded and upset to object. We walked away dejectedly, all probably thinking, hang on a second, did that just happen? Well, I'm relieved to say that in California, this and maybe one other occasion were the only negative experiences I had of this nature. Sadly, not so years later in different states as I continued my career. So I took my mum to a different restaurant this time and all went well. We started with the crab chowder experience at Fisherman's Wharf, where my mum really enjoyed the long stroll and the beautiful views over the bay. Lombard Street was an experience of a lifetime for her as we drove down the twisty turns made so famous. She couldn't believe the feeling of vastness of as we drove along the Golden Gate Bridge into Oakland, in many ways a world away from the city. I was able to introduce her to my new world and to take her flying with me, something she'd only done once before, shortly after I gained my private pilot's licence in Nigeria. Then it was a short flight out over the coast on a bright and clear sunny day with a landing at the new Magbon airstrip which was to be the new home of the Lagos Flying Club. It was barely finished and the runway wasn't much more than a hastily laid rough tarmac. The club buildings were still under construction, as were the surrounding security fencing and the road in off the main highway. The second flight, however, very different. I was taking her to Livermore Airport to experience arriving by plane and walking in to have dinner before returning to San Carlos. And this was definitely something she'd not experienced before. We had a packed two weeks where every waking moment was spent making sure she would never forget this experience. And by the time she returned home to Lagos, we had forged a mother-daughter relationship that we'd not had before. My mother and I had always been close, yet distant in equal measure. This wasn't helped by my being at boarding school for many of my teenage years. We were like ships in the night and we developed very different views of the world My mother was old school and wouldn't discuss any of the urgent challenges that I was having with my childhood. 
I felt that we didn't have the closeness required to comfort each other through what had been a trying time since my birth in 1962. Her family were the same. You put up with what life dishes out to you and you don't complain, even if this is detrimental to your mental health or that of your child. So as a direct result, I was left to fend for myself emotionally and I was not yet equipped for that challenge. This trip was a chance for her to see me at my best in a place where I had been thriving despite the odds and where I was forging roots that I'd never had the courage to plant before. In some ways, I think she spent the two weeks on part of that journey with me, although in a different mindset. Hers was a more practical exercise, a parent making sure that her child has achieved something that would carry her through life. And in many ways, that was an African approach to life. The practical part was more her Cumbrian roots, of which she was very proud. Heaven knows if she hadn't been of that stock, she would never have survived my father. I remember sitting with her on the boardwalk at Fisherman's Wharf for a week into her visit and trying to explain my achievements whilst we enjoyed a nice lolly together, something so mundane, but rare for us. I was trying to connect to her in a way I'd never done before. But this meant that I had to divulge a part of myself and become somewhat vulnerable. That was a position I didn't enjoy. My counsellor had encouraged me to try to seek areas of mutual interest when making those first tentative moves to re-establish a link with my mother, and I was trying to do just that. This maternal instinct, which I'd rarely experienced as a child from her, was now present, but I didn't know how to receive it from her. I have to be honest, I loved my mum, but sometimes her behaviour was not that different to my father's when I was growing up. All the years of yelling and screaming, sinking her nails through the skin in my upper arms to make me cry and to humiliate me, throwing irons down the hallway in the hope of forcing me to be compliant, the slaps across the face in public to teach me a lesson after some transgression, the hatred in her face as she advanced on me with whatever she had to hand had taken their toll, and although as I grew older and wiser, I knew she was not coping with her mental health and was in a very bad place, but at the time I had nothing but contempt for her along with a sense of loss for the mother that wasn't mine. This, of course, was in addition to the physical and mental abuse I was suffering at the hands of a brutal father. The complicated physical and mental abuse in my childhood were subjectively awful, I suppose, but they were my normal. I knew we weren't close in a way that a mother and child should be, and that the bond we had was kind of born of mental and physical trauma, which was never talked about. I'm still processing this today, and although I've come a long way, the scars will always be there. And this impacted our relationship in her later years. That day on the boardwalk, though, I knew she was proud. She was learning to show glimpses of it. And though it was strange for me to feel that after all those years, it did make me feel happy. My mother never once acknowledged the violence she suffered at the hands of my father. And she suffered greatly. I questioned why she decided we should go and live with him when she already knew what he was capable of. Why she didn't protect me from him why she treated me badly as well. Our relationship was never an easy one, but she was all I had in terms of biological family. I think because of that, I clung on to her and that image of what I wanted our relationship to be for my whole life. Much, much later, when my partner and I cared for her in her final years, I eventually saw some of her softer, more loving side. And I'll treasure those memories. My final words in this episode will be for her. My mother was complicated. But I feel that she was a good and generous woman 
and despite the trauma that we both suffered in our lives, I'm proud to have inherited that stoic, strong, practical part of her, which has gone a long way in making me the person I am today. Thank you for listening. Your comments and reviews are very much appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave reviews where you can. Thank you again to Lucy Ashby for the editing of this episode. In the next episode, I will introduce you to the difficult decision to leave the USA and return to Nigeria to take up an offer of a first officer position with a new airline flying DC-8s. Disappointment sets me back a long way as a young pilot. Confused and alone, I return to the UK with no direction. Thank you and goodbye.